Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. We got a great show for you. Why do I always go into that voice? I have no clue. I don't either. You know, do you have like Irish it. ancestry? No, I do. do I you? actually do. A little okay. Irish, a little Scot- Scottish. I have Scottish. I think I've got the, you know, Argentine, I like, too, because no I like to dance the tango. Oh, okay. Yeah, you you have mentioned the dancing before, but mm-hmm. I've never seen it, and I feel like that's kind of one of the you have to see to believe it type The tango? Things. Yeah. Or me dancing? Both. Well, actually, I believe in the tango. The but... tango is the dance of love. And when you, just let's be real, when you look at me, all of you, do you not see love? I see passion. Thank oh. you, James. That would be the rumba. Oh. Yeah, rumba, yeah. Do you rumba as well? <laughs> I do this, uh, the... What's the one that starts the next? The salsa? Mm. I do the salsa. Isn't that, that's passion. Sure. That's passion with, I don't know, a little bit, um, you know, kind of like you, you had a really, you ate a bad pepper. Yeah, we're not talking about food here. You know that, right? We're talking about. What are we talking about? <laughs> you just got on salsa <laughs> and I don't think dancing. any of us thought of <laughs> I got a little tango. I, I've got a little salsa. Is that the word? Salsa is what wife? you dip your chips in, right? Samba. samba. Yeah, salsa is a dance. Salsa is a dance. Yeah, salsa's also a great food. What's the samba compared to the salsa? See, we need to bring on a dance expert other than me. Other than you. I mean, I, I can do the moves of all of them, <laughs> but I can't. Sure. You know, just so you know, I've had a really hard day. You, I heard about that. You were having trouble picking out glasses. No, actually, that was that was hard, yes. The hard part was having them play with my eyes. You know, that is uncomfortable. I always I get kind of avoid, so, you know. It's horrible. Well, and then they ask you really hard questions, like, which one is no, horrible. clear? One I, I, I never know two. how to and answer. I, one, well, one I get a little anxious. Yeah. One this or one two. Or this uh, one. Can you do I, one I again? One or two? Uh, uh, I'd say two. Uh, <laughs> two or three. Is that your final answer? Can I answer? see one again? No, we're done with one. <laughs> two or three. And then um, it was just, it just gets worse. Yeah. And then you know what he said? Oh, I about kicked him. Plus, they're so close to your face. They are. This guy, we were like doing a little cheek to cheek <laughs> at one point. He's like, I know this is awkward, but I've got to get this light really close and our cheeks are almost touching. Uh, I've been to the doctor a few times and we've never touched cheeks, so you might want to look into that. <laughs> oh, awkward. Do you so If you're touching cheeks, you might be doing the tango. That might. See, maybe we're go. about to start the tango. See, the problem was because I have very sensitive eyes, very light sensitive eyes. So he used this, I think it was like um, a searchlight for <laughs> airplanes that had been downed. And... Um, he shined it into my eye, and I'm pretty sure burnt a hole through the back of my head. And I recoiled, and he saw me recoil, and I think he decided he's going to use a different light. That's why he got all in close. It sounds like you went to the veterinarian or, like, a different kind of doctor, <laughs> not even a high doctor. Yeah, did you go to the vet, Matt? Did you? <laughs> I didn't. I think I did. My assistant made my appointment, and then all of a sudden I showed up. But it, there were a lot of dogs there. <laughs> no, and you know what else they did? Which, oh, because I have to have a glaucoma test because I have glaucoma in my family. I've never met him, but it sounds like a great guy. <laughs> and apparently, uh, so they have to test the pressure of your eyeball, I guess. But here's the rule. Nobody touches my eyes. That's a rule. <laughs> Nobody touches them. That's a really good rule. I don't even touch them. Nobody touches my eyeballs. 
but nobody told this doctor. <laughs> so he's like trying to get grab at my eyeball, and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. He's like, I just need to put this. I can't even put drops in my eyes. That's, that's how bad that's it is. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, I can, but I have to like contort and twist and have my feet pointing different directions. No, I totally, I totally relate. Like, and when you're, when you're doing like the eye drops and you like blink yeah. before oh, you yeah. drop it, and yeah. it's like, oh man, I have I've to do it again. I've got great reflexes. So he'll drop it right when he drops it. I close my eye. It's perfect. <laughs> then, and, and so he was putting a numbing agent. Yes, I've had that done before. And he doesn't tell you why. Why would one need to numb your eyeball? I don't know, but isn't that the weirdest thing? Yeah. It is because, the weirdest thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, yeah. your eyes are watering, but uh-huh. you can't do anything no. about it. It's it was just, horrible. It's very then he told me why he had numbed my eye. Because he was going to be pushing something on my eyeball. He didn't yeah, tell me that. You know, that just doesn't sound right. He's like, this is just going to be, this is going to be really close. So you're probably going to struggle with this. And I'm like, okay. But my eye's numb. He goes, you probably won't even feel it. Oh, yeah, I felt it. <laughs> when somebody's pushing a little thingamajig on your eyeball to test your eyeball pressure, I'm, tar- I'm sorry to get so technical. But this was my afternoon. That's like as as Brian Regan said, you might feel a little pressure. Oh yeah, you might feel a little pressure. Was that what he was talking about? Yeah. Oh, I felt pressure. Yeah, it's, it's pressure is another is a yeah. good word for pain. You know what? It, it's it's just like having your reflex checked because the minute he pushed on my eyeball, my leg kicked up. <laughs> <laughs> I kicked him right in the gut. It was awesome. But then then after, I mean, it was horrible. Honestly, I really would have rather gone to get a, a cavity. Oh, mm-hmm. that's no fill fill up drill on my tooth. Man. Drill me. That's that's a problem because I'm pretty sure most people like that's a mm-hmm. serious eye doctor bad. fear. I know. And then he's like, "We're all done. Go out and pick yourself some glasses." Like I just <laughs> had like my... I still can't move my eyes. No. I don't. <laughs> and then I spent literally two dumb. and a half hours trying to pick out glasses. You know, Matt. You know how long it took out from, it took for me to pick out my glasses? How long? Um, twenty minutes, I think. Really? What are you doing tomorrow? Because I need you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working. I can't. It's this pick, thing that people do. Is it? Tell me about that. Yeah, you know, it's called. I, I prep your whole show. Hmm. I book a guest for you. Hmm. I write all those things that you read. All oh, those things I read. You yeah, wrote those? they don't just magically appear. They. Hmm. They. Well, I read them. I, I somebody has to read them. I read them. So that's you my. You know, work. I I could read them too. In fact, today we're talking about literacy. We're oh, all literate here. We're talking about literacy. Literacy. We're, well, I thought we were talking about fathers today. Well, you know what? It's kind of both. Okay. We're talking um, about parents and the influence they have in kids' education, and particularly Huge. with fathers reading to their children. Do fathers not read to their children? Well, you know what? A lot of them don't. And what is an even bigger issue is um, dads who have to be away for one reason or another, particularly yes. if they are in the military. Um they don't get that chance. They're, I mean, they're gone. And That's so, a cool moment to yeah, read with your kids. It is. And the cool thing today, later today, we have Chris Cottrell coming on. He is the founder of a nonprofit organization called Daddy Read a Book oh, that cool. makes videos, um, helps oh. produce videos for military fathers to read to their and kids. And so they read on video and then uh-huh. they send the video back to and the kids. And then they send the collected DVD of the dad reading all this the books great. to the kids. Do you think, uh, do they do one for driver's ed manuals? Because one of my sons <laughs> needs to read the driver's ed manual. You, you know what? Maybe I could read it. Isn't he like 17? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he can do that one by himself. He should, huh? Yeah. Maybe he's listening. Just start reading it, son. You know what? And just... I know it's boring. But see, he likes it when I make up stories about what happens if you don't wear your seatbelt. Oh. You know, my parents did that whenever we went to Yellowstone. The they carnage. made up stories about what happened to you yeah. if you 
did anything wrong in Yellowstone. Yeah, I'm like, pretty sure we were the most well-behaved children. <laughs> you didn't dare do anything. <laughs> no, we did oh, not dare. I had a friend that stuck his arm out the window like that, Tommy. He doesn't have one yeah, anymore. Yeah, one-armed, one-armed friend. <laughs> but go ahead. Stick your arm out there. See what happens. Yeah. That's horrible. Anyway. So this is going to be great. So uh, I, I just, I'm going to own up. I don't read to my kids anymore. Anymore. Well, we do. I, we do a little scripture reading. That's good. That counts. We do that uh, with, you know, emphasis on little. <laughs> but we do a little scripture reading every day, and that's kind of reading to them. But it used to be uh, we'd sit down and read every Harry Potter book. Well, yeah. But and your all kids the are a lot older now. It's well, they're 20, 30, 40. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I have kids as old as you, but. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. <laughs> so talk about children's literacy because the reality, you know, it seems like kids don't even need a book today. They just need an iPad. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting thing. We have like little leap pads. Is that what they're called? Leap yeah. Frog. Leap, what are they? leap frog pads. They sing annoying songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have iPads and things that will read books to your kids. You know, See, that again, is a thing. Yeah, replacing but fathers. Unfortunately, uh, it really makes a difference when kids are read to by their parents. Um, a statistic from the National Center of Education statistics. There yeah. you go. The NCES uh, said that only 53% of children ages three to five are read to daily by a family member. What percent? 53%. That's that 19- higher than I thought. It is higher than you thought, but wait until you hear this. So kids who are read to at that age are more likely to write their own names, actually be able to mm. read, count to 20. These are things that kids ages three to five should Essential. probably know. Yeah. And in order for them to be successful later in life. And so the kids who aren't being read to, yeah. the rest of the 47% don't have those types of advantages. And that's just kind of, you know, when you think about it. And um, Well, it seems like these that, kids would feel... It's, so is it, the, is it that their parents are reading or is it just the simple fact that when parents spend that much time learning, working on educational things? I mean, what makes the difference? A book or time um, or both? I would say both. Mm-hmm. Um, when, one interesting thing is that uh, just having books in the home actually is a huge indicator as to how much a child will be able to gain education later in life. Oh, really? So, yeah. So a lot of people say, you know, if your parents have like master's degrees, then your kids are more likely to get yeah. master's degrees themselves. But uh, they, there was a study done um, by the University of Nevada that said that just, just the number of books in your homes is more of an indicator. So, uh, And it doesn't matter what kind of books. Yeah. So, for example, in China, having 500 or more books in the home propels children 6.6 years further in their wow. education. In the United States, the effect is less, but um, 2.4 years, having 500 books in your home. Really? No. And think about it, 2.4 years, that is the difference between a bachelor's degree, which is kind of the new high school degree, yeah, unfortunately, totally. yeah. and a master's degree, which could set you apart from so many other employers. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it could you know, make you that much more ahead in life. My parents, neither of them went to college, but I don't know if, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a doctorate. But neither of them went to college. All, both of them, voracious readers. Yeah. And Read like crazy. You know, and that's interesting because my dad's parents didn't have um, – they weren't – didn't have college degrees yeah. while he was growing up. My um, grandpa went back and got a chiropractic degree later. Cool. But they were – yeah, they were – again, they were both voracious readers. And my dad has a PhD and it's kind of cool to see that. It and, works. Yeah. Books. You don't even need to – you can just start trucking them in. You can just start going down to the – 
you know, five and dime. Yeah. If we're so, still using that term. First level, just have books in your home. You can always go to a you know a secondhand store mm-hmm. and pick up some good ones. Well, and don't get rid of your books. We have a ton of oh, books in definitely. our house that we've been trying to thin out and get rid of mm-hmm. books. But and then I'm like, maybe our grandkids, maybe. <laughs> no. No. But so if books make that much of a difference, just imagine how much parents reading to their kids makes a difference. To so not only get, you know, have books around so that kids are maybe interested in what's going on, but to actively be involved in them gaining an education and by reading books. Another interesting thing about um, reading aloud to your kids is that when you read aloud to kids, their comprehension of the books is like way beyond oh, does what it they really? could read. Yeah. So reading on their own is great. Yeah. But when they're reading by themselves, they yeah. can only comprehend so much. Whereas when an adult is reading to them, somebody who has that knowledge of vocabulary, vocabulary and, uh, kind of the nuances of the mm-hmm. language and can express it through emotion, kind of the meaning, give it more context, kids can understand so much more. That's which right. is why, you know, when I was three and four, my mom was reading to me the Chronicles of Narnia to me. And I, you know, really? it's way easy to understand when somebody's reading out loud to you. But wow. I remember going and trying to pick up that book and read it, but it was confusing. There were words I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom, really? Four? Yeah. Chron- that's why you. That's why you are who you are. <laughs> That's why we you're 16 years old and you're the executive producer of the Matt Townsend You know show. what? Uh, that, I'm not the, 16 years you're the old. Youngest. That would be a huge advantage in life. But but it, honestly, your parents read your Chronicles of Narnia. That's they amazing. They did. Uh, they read A Little House in the Prairie, the Wrinkle in mm. Time series. See, I used to watch that. Harry I Potter. used to watch all of those. Those are good. Yeah, that's true. But we, we read the books. I like those. And it starts a great conversation. That's what I noticed with my kids. Then all of a sudden and, you um, see what they're getting. Yeah. And even when I was older and I knew how to read I still loved when my mom read to us. And it was more just kind of this family bonding time because we'd yeah. all sit down right before bed and my mom would read to us and I'd brush her hair because, I don't know, as a little girl, that's what I like to do. But You didn't I brush just, your dad's hair? You know, I – no, I didn't. Sad. But, that's yeah. just sad. <laughs> my dad was a musician, so he was just usually gone at night. He was at a jazz club. Yeah, something like that. More likely a symphony <laughs> concert. But uh, – yeah, but we'd sit down and we'd read together, and I love that. And we still talk about all those books that we read, my siblings and I. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we kind of have that universal knowledge of what goes on in Chronicles of Narnia. And See, that's what, that, well, but it's also institutionalized. That's where you felt safe and loved, and definitely. so it's more than just the learning how to read and yeah, it's, words. It's, it's love. Yeah, it's love. It's feeling the bonding. It's Which is why protected. dads need to probably do it more. We might because of jobs or whatever. We and you know maybe it's not as natural for us to just grab a book and mm-hmm. go grab our kid. Yeah, but it makes a huge difference, and so that's what we're, we're talking about today. We're going to step up and do it. I'm going to I'm going to start reading to my kids. Good. I'm glad you're having that again. I'm going to go get in, you know, 7 a.m. I'm going to go wake up with my cute little 17-year-old Tanner, just curl up with him. I read the driver's out, handbook. Pull out, yeah, the driver's handbook. You must have your blinker on mm-hmm. five seconds before you switch lanes. Just so we can, you know, okay, just so we're both on the same that, page. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. Parenting 101. Dads, we're talking about uh, one awesome way to bond with your kids today. Uh, reading. Reading with your children. Wonderful way to not only you know forge a relationship, but to take them educationally to the next level. Give them a hand up. In fact, if you start reading when they're four, especially uh, Chronicles of Narnia, there's a chance they could be on a radio show and, in fact, be the executive producer on a radio show at the age of 16. 16. You're still going there. 20. 26. It It could happen to you. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. When we come back, Maddie's going to enlighten us about father-son bonding. Uh, She's going to talk about her son and her father. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about children's literacy and you daddies. The role that a father can play in helping your child not only learn to read, but uh, the bonding that can take place there um, that is oh so important. And by the way, again, everything we're talking about doesn't just have to be for fathers. Mothers can do it just as well. Aunts, grandmas, everybody can do it. But uh, there is something powerful um, about trying to strengthen the fathers in the world so that we're even doing more. Maybe we understand a little bit more what's going on. Our own Maddie Richards is joining us. And Maddie, um, she's put together a a little bit for us about, she's going to educate us. 26 rules to help us be a better father, a great father, right? No matter how old our son is. You know, having a son is a proud and terrifying moment in a man's life. Right, Maddie? I I wouldn't know. And I don't have a son. You don't? As Matt really no. oh, okay. threw out there for the world. Okay. Not true. <laughs> okay, so we're not telling people you have a son. There's doing? not, there's, he's not real. He's he's not real. Okay, so we're not telling people you have an imaginary son. <laughs> okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> Things are good. So whether you change. have a real son or not, uh, you know, or a little boy running around the house or your father or to an older son or, you know, a grandparent, whatever you've got, 26 rules Maddie's going to give us to be a better father, a great father, no matter how old our son or pretend son is. <laughs> We're probably not going to get through all of these, okay. but you can go to Single Dad Laughing. It's a blog that has the rest of the rules if you want to hear the rest of them after these ones. I'm trying to make Matt cry. That is the, the goal with well, these rules. Yeah, I might. Today, my eyes, have, my eyes are actually numb. <laughs> so, number one rule, love his mother. Huge. I Yeah. yeah I mean, he's going to learn to love like you love and hate like you hate. So, choose love. To and everyone. If you don't, if you struggle with his mother, it confuses him because he's half of the mother, right? He's half the mother, half the father. So then if you don't like mom, you must kind of not like me. Huge. Well, love, that's going to play a part in how he treats his wife and loves her as well. So right. that's really important. The second one, take him to a ball game. There's something wonderful about totally. hot dogs and sunshine and baseball with your dad. That Shaw. Every kid. Yes. Gum. <laughs> You know what? It's true. I took my kids to an Angels game. Huge. Very my, bonding. Yeah, my dad took my brother to ball games a lot and took him to his Little League games and helped him do all that. That's we just, we just really saw a stand-up important. comedian. The whole time I'm thinking of the son that is away on an LDS mission for two years. The whole time I'm thinking, oh, he would love this. So that actually made me sad. Oh, I'm See, sorry. you almost got me there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying. That's all right. This is a good one. It's love with bravery. Boys have this idea that they have to be tough. Yes. So you have to be brave enough to love your son, teach him to not wipe off the kisses, but to rub them in. Rub them in. Rub those in. Yeah. To let his mom love him. Teach him to be courageous enough to show love, to let someone love him. Yes. It's hard. Love with courage. Is that what it says? Love with bravery. That's huge. I love that one. It's a good one, right? Yeah, it is. Um, Share secrets. What? Yeah. Guys don't have secrets. Talk about They're too strong no, for secrets. No, they do. And if you let your kid come and tell you about this and that and the other, even the stuff you don't think it's important, it's No, that's huge. Especially huge for him. how cool is that to share with your dad a secret? That's cool. Yeah. I like I, that. 
I think it's a good one. Teach him manners. Now, I am a big, yeah. big proponent of manners. You're, you're very pro manners. Yes. Our family was very much elbows not on the table. We set the table right. We Ooh. put napkins on our See, laps. See, now I'm getting nervous with you <laughs> on the team because we don't ha- we're not known for manners on this show. Well, I could tell you told everyone I have a fake son, so that wasn't very polite. <laughs> Maddie, you're in denial. <laughs> no, you, Maddie does not have a child. Okay, thank you. <laughs> See? She has two children. Oh, no. A son and a daughter. They're oh, twins. No. <laughs> no, they're not. So you don't. You do not have children. Um, one thing, but see, who's going to teach the father manners? The wife. Okay, interesting. Or the mother. Or his mom. Right. Or, or dad teaching the child. Right. If his dad teaches him, then it's something that, you know, can be passed on. I like that. And it's important to remember. It's huge. Polite. I learned manners you. growing up because I went to a private school where I had to stand up when somebody, when an adult would walk in. And See, that's so nice. It was very nice. I wore a suit twice a week. You're wearing a suit. I'm, wore, I'm semi-wearing a suit. Yes. You look very polite, professional. That's Thank great. you. See, this is comforting. <laughs> All right. Teach him when to stand up and when to walk away. Oh, yeah. He should know this it's is... important to stand up for your family and yeah. your favorite baseball team, but there's some things that just you just need away. to walk away That's from. Right. Yeah. Don't start a fight here. Yeah. Don't always need to start a fight. Yeah. Just That's when it's great really advice. important. And by the way, this could all be done one book at a time even if you thought about yeah. it. Yeah. Because each one of these are little teaching moments. Go find a, a book about the boy that was the bully that beat someone up and then – you know, talk about standing yeah. up and running our way or walking away. Yeah. To find a book about the dad and the son share a little secret. I, all of these can you can tie into the literacy. Um, let him dance and be crazy. Dance with him. Teach him yeah. it's okay to be Tango, ridiculous. Salsa. Yeah, you've got that one down. See, we've got it. Does my your seventeen year old know how to dance? What we do is no, because my kids turn away when I start dancing. <sighs> I don't know why. I can't imagine why. I don't get it. But uh, all of a sudden, we'll hit some music at our house, and you got to dance. Because, <laughs> you know, you just got to – your body says, I got to move. No, so once that's you're, so yeah. fun. But my kids kind of tend to turn away a little, I don't know, like repulsed, <laughs> maybe is the word. Like, ugh. Like their their lip curls, and they're like – it almost looks like they're about to get sick. Oh, that's not good. I don't know why. See, when my dad – we my sisters and I are all ballerinas, and my dad – wasn't a ballerina or anything, but he would, you know, when we would be dancing in the kitchen, yeah. he would dance with my mom by us. And what do you really? So it was fun. kind of like the Nutcracker. Yeah, in, our in your kitchen. kitchen, exactly. Oh, you would be surprised and well, that's shocked cool. how often that happens in my house. Were there any boys in your home? Yeah, I have an older brother, and so he would. What would he do during all of that? DJ. He would just DJ. He just no, like yeah, Sir he Mix would, a lot. He would DJ. He start throwing or, out some beat. He would, you know. Tell us facts about Tchaikovsky and wow. different things like that. So that was, that was my house. Oh, they're That's fantastic. That's cool. All right. Uh, let him win. Sometimes your son needs to know yeah. that he can overcome that huge challenge. Yeah. Sometimes of, you let him win. Yeah. Sometimes you got to beat him, though. Squish yes, him. Yes. They got to learn how to, they got to learn where they got to the learn order. the opposition. Yeah. Opposition. Yeah. They've got to learn their place. <laughs> that sounds rude. Share music. Oh, huge at our house. If you don't, who else is going to teach them about Pink yeah. Floyd and oh, the good stuff? I have all the hottest hits on my iPod right now. And when wow. my kids come in, to, they take a bath in our room for some reason. And I, <laughs> but I, I always, I'm Sir Mix-A-Lot. That's awesome. No, in our house, it was 
Toto and really? different stuff like that. Yeah. And we'd always kind of roll our eyes and be like, Dad, we don't Come listen on. to your music. But then when I'm at like a college party and some yeah. guy's talking, playing that music, I know what it You're is. Like, oh, and that's I'm like, my dad's music. My dad taught me See? well. See? <laughs> that's cool. Give us one more. All right. Be his hero. That's cool. That's the biggest thing. Every yeah. little boy looks at their dad as their hero. So you might as well step up, be that guy, prove to him that he's right in believing that his dad is his hero. Love it. So now I'm now I'm worried. I've got okay. Do you want me to copy this list? Just leave the list. Okay, perfect. Just leave it. Yeah, because I think you might need it. (sighs) Boy, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's good, Maddie. Good job, Maddie. Thanks. (laughs) Tell your son hi. Um, We're gonna take a break. We're coming back. Chris Cottrell is going to be joining us. He's the founder of Daddy Read a Book, a nonprofit organization focused on connecting families through reading. He's going to teach us how to uh, be our kids' hero through books. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Chris Cottrell's coming up right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're merging two topics that seem essential to uh, the lives of our children, right? Education, reading, literacy, you know, those that concept that we, we've got to teach them to read. We've got to get them excited about learning and reading and, and understanding thing, things. Uh, that's one idea. The other, fathers. You know, a lot of times in the news, all we hear about are kind of the deadbeat dads, the dads that don't seem to care, the dads that don't know what to do. You know, sometimes that's very well earned. And many times it's uh, we just sometimes don't know what to do for real. We don't know how to do things that that might make a difference. We might find it easier to go out and make a living than maybe be home and make a connection with our children and so we wanted to uh, present today an opportunity as, as, as a desire, a goal to create a healthier, better life, which is really the goal of this show, is to give you some tools out there, dads, to, uh, to learn to read with your children, by the way, your grandchildren, and, uh, and just the people in your life. There's something so powerful about it. So we thought, who better to teach us that than, uh, than Chris Cottrell? Chris is the founder of Daddy Read a Book, which is a nonprofit organization focused on connecting families through reading. He's a graduate of Arizona State University. And, um, you know, a really interesting thing that happened to, to Chris. Uh, there is a law in Arizona right now that is, um, or that was, it was called Chris's Law. And at the age of 12, our guest, Chris Cottrell, wrote an idea for legislation as part of a homework project for a student legislature. Chris's law, along with an amendment to the Arizona Constitution, keeps alleged sexual offenders from posting bail and established the first boundary around Arizona schools so convicted sexual offenders could not live in proximity to schools. So as a young punk of 12 years old, Chris says, I'm just going to drop some legislation. And uh, he threw it together. Anyway, the law ended up being passed. It's called Chris's Law. So that's our guest today. He's Since then, you know, he's also um, interned with the state treasurer's office and an orphanage in rural Honduras, leading medical teams in the inner city. He's also been a speaker on TEDx. 
and currently works as a business consultant in Scottsdale, Arizona. Chris Cottrell, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. How you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing great. It is a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, it's quite the introduction. I don't know if I can ever live up to that. Well, you know what? <laughs> Have you been writing any more legislation? In the little bit of spare time I have, uh, I have not been. <laughs> That's amazing. As a 12-year-old kid, you're like, I think I, you're doing it for an assignment, but did you have any idea it was going to be accepted and, and actually turned into, you know, real legislation? No, Matt, I had no idea. I mean, I, like you said, I wrote it for a homework project. Uh, my mom pretty much forced me to take this class, as all good moms do. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and Yeah, but I, I end up you know, doing the homework, uh, I met with my district senator, and he said it was a great idea, and decided to introduce it during the next session. And so it was really How great a incredible that? experience to be a part of it. That's awesome. And then since then, so you're a consultant now, right? Kind of sure. a business consultant. But you started this nonprofit. Tell us about the nonprofit. Yeah, so the nonprofit is Daddy Read a Book, and it started, uh, you know, really almost 20 years ago. Uh, growing up, my dad actually spent a year in federal prison. You know, he wasn't a, you know, nothing wrong with him, wasn't yeah. a bad guy, just you know, had a little too much fun in his 20s. <laughs> uh, but before he left, he took my favorite books and filmed himself reading them out loud. That was oh, one neat. of our yeah. favorite traditions at night, you know, to have that bedtime story experience. And so he did that for me, and it really provided a way for us to stay connected and be close, even when he was you know, five or 600 miles away and I couldn't see him. Sure. What a, I mean, what a powerful story. I mean, again, because we always kind of think, ah, anyone that goes to prison, obviously a bad father. Um, he loved you. He cared about you deeply. You already had a habit of reading with him. And mm-hmm. we thought, let's start videoing Dad reading some books. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was this the experience that I looked back on as being really formative in my life and something that really led me to a love of reading now and a love of learning. Uh, so a little more than a year ago, I, I kind of thought back to that experience and thought, I'm not the only one who's been separated from that, their dad. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the only one who's had to go through the separation experience. And so we started the organization with a focus uh, at first on military families, you know, to, to film military dads before they get deployed uh, and film them reading their kids' favorite books and mm-hmm. leave that video with the family. What's that? I mean, how was that received? To me, that is, there's nothing more touching, it seems like, on than watching like a YouTube video of a, of a, you know, military person coming home from wherever, Iraq, wherever, Afghanistan, and um, and surprising their kid at school. So how cool is it that now dad can stream back? I guess, are they are they doing the videos before they leave, or are they just streaming them over? How, how, does, that, how does that work with the military? Yeah, so a lot of times when they're deployed, it's tough to get a hold of them. Yeah. You know, they, they do have some internet access, but obviously they're doing a lot of important work and a lot of hard work. Uh, so we film them before they go. And it's funny that you mention the YouTube videos, because those videos, obviously, I always get goosebumps and yeah. I tear up like anybody else does watching those videos. But the videos they don't show are the ones where the kid sees the dad for the first time and doesn't know the dad. Oh, or, yeah. you know, the, the kid was so young when the dad left or was deployed that they don't remember him. They don't remember his voice or, or know who he is. And so they kind of turn away from him. And that is heartbreaking. And so this really provides a way for the kids to get to know the dad, even when he's not there. That's so powerful. I mean, it is it is amazing. These guys are gone for a year or two. Um, yeah. And to not be able to connect with them regularly, 
uh, is just it's it's tragic. Then on top of it, the benefit of being able to to create the kind of the feeling you had with your dad of safety just by reading a good book that you loved. That's even yeah. it seems to make it even better. So the military yeah, is the, that's the group incredible. you started this with. And then has it has it grown since? And, and and what is the you know what are you trying to do with the nonprofit? Yeah, so Matt, we are just under a year old, so we're really really young yeah. in doing this, which is that's one of the most exciting things about it is we have so much you know room for us to grow, and we love to expand to doing this with you know with parents in prison or with parents working overseas or you know on long business trips or anywhere that there's a separation. But for right now, we're partnered with a local Air Force base here in Arizona. And we're just working with them and, and working with as many families as come through there. What, what do you? What are they saying? I mean, what? What? And what does your dad? When your dad got out of uh, the, out of prison, what? What was that like? Did did this? Did you feel more connected to him? What's his? What was his view of being able to know that at least he's influencing you that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was hugely important. I mean, I. I was pretty young at the time, uh, and I, maybe the most telling thing is that I, I don't remember feeling like he was gone. Huh. That's and powerful. So maybe that's the the biggest thing that we can do for these kids is not let them think that their dad is gone or he, that he's that far away. Yeah, I think about it when you like when you just mentioned the that you might move it into the prisons, and I mean having having people that are in prison uh, doing this with their children. I mean. What hope that must give them yeah. to know that they got to come out a hero because their their kid's going to be waiting and more educated, so they better be ready to to come out and be the man they need to be. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, how old are you? You're a young man. I mean, relatively, you're in your twenties. Yeah, I'm twenty five, man. Yeah. I mean, what are the rest of us doing at twenty five, Chris? You're out there putting together a nonprofit. And, uh, you know, some people are just out there playing. How, you just felt this in your heart, and then you thought, I've got to, I gotta, I gotta do this. Yeah, sometimes uh, just the inspiration hits, I guess, and once the idea is, uh, is visualized, it's hard to let it go. Yeah. What, uh, what else are you seeing is happening with just the soldiers? What, what are you seeing going on? with these dads out there or moms out there, I guess, too. Are you, are, I mean, I'm, is it just for dads or do you have moms on there as well? Really good question. That's one that we actually get a lot. So we are absolutely open to working with moms. And in fact, just a few months ago, we did our first mom. Hmm. We filmed our first mom uh, reading a book to her young son. Uh, but it's more than 90% of people who are deployed. Uh, and I'm remembering that fact, so it may be, close to correct. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, more than, you know, the high majority of families who are separated in the military, it's the dad who's the one that's gone. He's the one that's deployed. He's the one that's training somewhere. And so our focus is on the biggest group and our biggest target. But that being said, we would never turn someone away. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah, turn away the opportunity to read to a child. And you go in, yeah. you video them. Yeah, is that the idea? They read the book, they show the pictures, do you give close-ups, and then you edit it up, and then you send it to them, or do you put it online? How do they get the the book? Yeah, so we, we film, and that's one of the really great things about what we do in this age of you know high-definition iPads and high-definition animated movies. 
we film in professional quality. So we've got professional lighting and professional sound and a professional HD camera that really brings together a beautiful experience. So we film them reading their book as if the book, as if their kid uh, was watching on the other end. Hmm. Uh, and then we put it all on DVD um, and then we just send it right to the family. That's powerful. Then, um, I guess you're just still, you're just you're right now you're working with one group out of Arizona is that what you're saying and you're just slowly trying to grow it through the nonprofit right yeah we're working with one Air Force base here in Arizona uh, and so there's a lot of people that are there for us to be able to work with hmm. uh, and then we'd love to expand here in the valley and then you know to other states uh, throughout the country why why do you feel reading so important I mean what is it there's kind of the bonding side of it that seems there's something special about, you know, sharing something like that with your dad or your mom. But w- what is it about reading that you'd base the whole business around or the whole nonprofit around reading? Yeah. You know, when we started it, I thought it was all about the emotional connection. I thought it was all about keeping families connected. And, of course, that's still a huge part of what we do. Yeah. As I started to learn more, I realized how valuable the reading was. And that was something I didn't really expect. Uh, there was actually a really huge study done by two professors. I think they were out of Kansas. And they, in the 60s, they recorded the number of words that were heard by middle-income, low-income, and high-income families over the first three years of life. Hmm. And what they found was that the difference between high-income kids and low-income kids over the first three years was 30 million words. Really? And it became known as the 30 million word gap. Yeah, it's really incredible. Wow. And so these these low-income kids who are more likely to be from a single-parent family are at a huge disadvantage when they get to preschool. And, and the thinking in the 60s was when they get to preschool, when they get into the education system, everything will kind of even out based on the teaching. And what they found is that that is absolutely not true. Hmm. Kids who've heard more words growing up at a young age especially do much better in school, are much more likely to, do, uh, to have high IQ scores as, at age nine, uh, and to have more successful lives overall. So the reading side of it really came out as this kind of you know, unexpected, really, really important part of what we did. Uh, and that's just grown the more we've learned about it. Well, and it, I mean, boy, I think we've had on the show a lot of uh, literacy experts over the years, and I think you get you get some literacy experts behind you giving you all of the data. And, I mean, just those numbers are astounding. But yeah. then you connect a loving parent that is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the other thing is you got to get enough repetition of it. I mean, it seems like that's what I love about a book, especially with a young child, is you could read the same book to a young child every night for years. Yeah. And they'll just keep taking it and taking it and taking it. So, so I mean, I think you're, I think this is a really powerful thing. I also love the fact that, um, you're focusing on the dad side as well. What, what is it that, uh, I mean, I guess, the, did that just come from you and your dad? Is, or is there another special reason why you want to focus on the dads? You know, it, it came from it being my dad who was away. Um, and, and in the research that we did before getting started, realizing that the majority of it, uh, of separated families, were, were dads that were gone. Yeah. Um, and so that we just kind of automatically focused on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to be where the biggest problem was. Well, and you know what else is I also get to work quite a bit with like family service centers from the bases that are sending their their people away. 
and the families take a really big hit. And then so now with dad gone, moms are under more stress than ever. The moms are trying to keep the families alive. And maybe one of the things that might end up being missed or overlooked would be some of that private time and personal quiet time of reading. And so to me, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. And I think even more importantly, you're creating, you're creating a connection, which is so powerful. We're talking, um, as we speak right now, we're talking with Chris Cuttrell, who is the founder of Daddy Read a Book, which is a nonprofit organization focused on connecting families through reading. And we're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to keep talking to Chris after the break. Again, be thinking, dads, how can you pick up your game or grandpa's? Uh, maybe there's a powerful way you could step into your gra- your grandchildren's lives and read. Even if you don't live in the same town, have you ever heard of Skype? Maybe there's ways you could Skype your grandkids and uh, be reading to them as well. We're taking a break. We'll be right back with Chris, C- Chris Cuttrell. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about uh, reading and literacy, but also just about the power of being a dad, the need, uh, I think, for all of us to have a male role model. We need some male role models in our lives. As a kid that grew up with the dad, my father, who wasn't in the home, he was still there for me. I could still rely on him. I could still tell him things. I worked with him every day. But what I found is I did have a lot of people that gathered around me and became my heroes, um, male role models, very powerful for me. Uh, we're on the phone right now with a wonderful guest um, named Chris uh, Cutchell, and he's um, Chris or C- Cutchell, sorry. And Chris is a he's an interesting guy. Uh, again, to kind of get into his history a little bit. Chris is the the founder of an organization, Daddy Read a Book. Go to the website, daddyreadabook.org. And it's a it's an organization, a nonprofit organization that's trying to connect children to their dad in his absence, right? Through videos and um, having the father read their favorite children's book out loud to the child. They videotape it and then they send it to the child. And the goal is to, you know, whether they're away in the military or away in the penitentiary, wherever they are that they're away, his goal, Chris's goal, is to to create this connection. So, Chris, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. It really is, I think, very powerful. Um, help us with this, Chris. Uh, now, I know you've been your goal is the connection of the family. So it really is to make sure that the children don't lose their dads uh, as they're away. And, you know, then there's the great literacy benefit on the side, all the educational benefits that come from that as well. What, um, when you think, and you think of the people you've served so far and sitting there and watching dads read to all of these, uh, these kids, what are some of the stories you're seeing? What are the, some of the impact that you're seeing just, having a father read to his son or this or the child reading and, and hearing their dad read yeah so yeah. one of my favorite stories to tell is the story of the very first person we did this for it was a dad named adam uh, and his wife was pregnant with their daughter lila uh, he was deploying to afghanistan uh, just a few months after we had filmed and his wife was doing about a month so he was only going to get to see his first daughter 
for about a month before he would gone for a period of nine months. Mm. So Lila was going to spend you know, nine of her first 10 months of life without her dad being around. Wow. Uh, so we did the video for Adam. He read his favorite books growing up, Dr. Seuss, Old MacDonald, you know, classics that we all know. Yeah. And he read them to her. Uh, we, we, so we got the video to, to the mom. We sent it to the family. And all I got back from the mom was, it's amazing. Hmm. And that's, that sums it up. It yeah. really is an amazing way for Adam to stay connected with his daughter uh, and for all of the people that we work with to stay connected to their kids. Oh, it's powerful. And, I mean, too, just to have for the mom while well, her husband's away, and so many things can go wrong anyway, um, mm-hmm. just trying to keep everything afloat. And, I mean, a lot of these people are, you know, on reserves, so they, they, they lost, they left their other jobs to go back, you know, to be deployed, uh, you know, because they're in the guard, um, to also know that they can just put on the video and the child can go connect to dad and not lose a year of, of connection is powerful. We went on your website too, Chris, and we found uh, that you had written a blog about your values, the values of a good dad. Was that you? Uh, Do you remember that? I, know I, I wrote a piece on how dads can kind of incorporate this into normal life, but I don't know if I wrote one about the values of the dad. Oh, maybe that's just somewhere else. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, you don't have kids right now, do you? No, I don't. My wife and I, uh, my beautiful wife and I, got married just over a year ago. Atta so boy. We are just enjoying uh, a newlywed life. Just, Great. you know what? Slow it down. Take it easy. Yeah. Enjoy the time together. Um, but here's the deal, because what, what I love is that is your powerful story is the fact that you know um, your dad was in prison. And, you know, even though you may not, you know, remember everything, but um, the, I, to me, it seems like there's an inherent power to know that um, if there's anybody that's going to be able to accept someone back in their life after going astray or whatever, it's the child. The child's going to be the quick one that's going to be a little easier to forgive and forget. And, uh, the mere fact that you're keeping that purpose alive and that connection f- between the father and the child, I think is, I think it's so admirable. So you're going to be our hero of the day. Somebody that can put together a nonprofit organization at the age of 25, not even having your own kids yet, but seeing a need and then putting it together. Um, I just want to, I just want to commend you for your great work and, and beg you to keep it up. Thank you, Matt. I, uh, I really appreciate that. It's an honor. Is there anything that uh, we could do? So if I send people to your website, daddyreadabook.org, um, they can go there, they can check out, but more importantly, maybe they can go donate and, and get more into your cause, understand more what you're trying to do in your mission and your purpose. Is there anything else that just the average listener out there could be doing to support and promote the cause? You know, the number one thing I would suggest, sure, you know, go online and donate, but even more than that, if you have kids in your life, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, go find them and read. Yeah, They need that more than, than any TV show, more than any movie, more than almost anything else they're doing. Just go find them and, and read them a book. Pick up you know, a, a classic like Aesop's Fables or the Book of Virtues and yeah. just read it to them every once in a while. It's an unbelievable experience. One of my favorite memories as a kid was having someone read to me uh, and having my imagination worked out. There's a, a really great quote. It's actually from Albert Einstein. It says, if you want your children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. Hmm. And I don't think there could be anything true <laughs> in that. So the one thing I would say, yeah, from Einstein. Uh, so go, go do that. You know, For everyone listening to the show, go find someone and read to them. 
That's huge. It really is powerful, and um, it's a great challenge. So I appreciate you so much, Chris. Again, everybody, go check out Chris's website, daddyreadabook.org, and take his challenge to get out there, folks, and start reading to the people you love. Start collecting books, getting them in your house, making it just as impactful of a, you know, as a medium of communication or information as cell phones, iPhones, iPads. Chris, again, thanks for joining us and keep the mission alive. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a great one. You bet. Take care. Good stuff. Really, there's good people out there. Think of that, doing what they can to uh, to change the world. And again, this doesn't have to just be something you do for your children. My kids are a little bit older, but if, if I just read a little scripture with them, it lights them up, and then we can ask stories. But really, the power of it is it engages the conversation. And once you start to open up a conversation with people you love, game on. That's where you get to their hearts. That's where you start to get to... Uh, a little bit of shared joy and understanding. We're taking a break. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of a talk. I want to talk to you about this concept I'm introducing on the show called the Human Hero Awards. And uh, Chris just basically uh, prompted me to, to think, you know what? we got to start celebrating the heroes in our lives. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Again, our goal on this show is to give you a leg up, let you find the good life. There's so many good things going on out there in the world, and many times we don't have time to see them because our head is down trying to just keep everything afloat. And today we've been talking about the power of dads and literacy. We've been uh, working on um, you know, the Daddy Read a Book program. Chris Cuttrell talked talk to us about that. But we do not want to just think that this is just a father-son thing. So how about bringing on Jessica Littlefield, used to be black, <laughs> and uh, Jessica, daddy-daughter. Right. What? I can relate to this You one are. <laughs> now, I have one daughter and I have five boys. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, so yeah. my daughter holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Yes. She also is smarter than all of them combined. <laughs> so she, it's different. It's different it's totally bonding. Different. It is. Yeah. It's a different thing. And because I'll never probably dance with my sons at their wedding. I probably I'm not. I'm betting not. <laughs> but I will dance with my daughter. I did dance yeah. with my daughter. So yeah. it's a special thing. So talk to us about, uh, you know, daddy daughter bonding. So I recently talked on um, with. Uh, Mark Mormon, who is a doctor who has done research on the best ways for dads to bond with their daughter. Sweet. A lot of times we're worried because when the daughter goes through that change, exactly. it scares us and we back away and we think, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> but that then tells them, subtly tells our daughter that maybe she's not what we need her to be. Or, and it, she doesn't know how to interpret it. Yeah. So you're saying there's exactly. something we got to do different. Yeah. What? So, um... Let's listen to it and uh, see what he had to say. There's a lot of really good things, and then uh, we can put in our personal stories. Sweet. (laughs) Dr. Mormon, could you tell us a little bit more about how daddy-daughter bonding works? So the main thing to remember is that in a masculine form of closeness, it's about activity. It's about doing. Feminine form of closeness is more about talking or dialogue. And so the activities it doesn't really matter what the activities are just as long as 
dad and daughter are engaged in doing something. So the number one thing that we found in the study was when dad started to coach his daughter's athletic team. That was the number one thing that we found, but there are lots of other activities. So our argument is is that for daughters to really be able to connect with dad, she needs to move toward the masculine. He's not going to move toward the feminine very easily. And she perceives, you know, either consciously or maybe even subconsciously, that for her to do that, she's going to have to sort of move over into his world. And not, not that men won't, not that men don't. I think another tip that I would offer to dads is listen to your daughters. You know, don't insist that it always be about doing. Why are fathers important for daughters? In lots of ways, fathers are are really important for daughters. Both moms and dads make different kinds of contributions to their children. Fathers really set the bar for daughters' future mate selection, that daughters tend to be attracted toward men that have characteristics of their father. There's another line of research that is about daughters' careers being influenced by their father. In father-son research, there's a similar sort of line that men tend to follow their dads into his occupation. Also, in terms of academic achievement, that dads have a role in helping daughters achieve educationally and then, of course, into career paths. There's a third line that's fairly controversial, but it has to do with eating disorders, and dad has a fairly significant role to play in building his daughter's self-esteem and self-image as a woman. What are the results if a dad doesn't spend time with their daughter? A lot of women report that they don't know their fathers very well, that they don't understand their dads very well, that they don't talk very much about anything of significance with dad. And then there are other studies that point out the negative effects of that, like eating disorders is, is one of them. Daughters that engage in a lot of inappropriate or risky behaviors, particularly with men. And a lot of times it carries with women into not just their teen years, but into their young adults and, and adult years. But the general trend is, is that if dad's not there, then certainly their relational development can suffer and their attitudes about men and their attitudes about what men are supposed to provide and how men are supposed to act, how men are supposed to communicate. And in in terms of of their interaction with men and in terms of their interaction with trying to navigate romance as well as in the workplace where women are working with other men or they have male bosses or things like that. So there's a lot of evidence that points to some real challenges for women that don't have functional relationships with dad. Is there a time in the daughter's life that is most crucial for her to build that bond with her dad? My argument would just be, I don't think it really matters what time that happens. I just think it's just a matter of it happening, that fathers find some way to engage their daughters in activity. Has father involvement changed over time? There is a lot of evidence that points to much more father involvement and much more father engagement with children and even housework, for that matter, than a generation ago. And that men understand that to be a good dad isn't just about being the provider and the disciplinarian and the protector, that being a good dad also involves nurturing and caring for your children and raising them in you know the way that, that you think is proper or best. And, and having relationships with your children, emotional and, and, you know, nurturing relationships with your kids. And so, you know, but, but understand that, that can look different than the way that mom does it, right? 
So dance can, and again, all this sort of activity, a lot of times people look at activity and they think, oh, well, that, you know, so what? You know, that doesn't matter. That's not, that's not nurturing them. That's not, you know, developing their mental health or all, or all that kind of stuff. But it is, you know, it just looks different. It just looks different than the way that perhaps women uh, engage that or, the, or, or perhaps just in more back to what I started with, with the gendered notion, sort of a more feminine way. So what, what the evidence shows is that men are just much more engaged now than, you know, at, at any point, certainly in our recent history. I think the definition of what it means to be a good dad has changed significantly. And what it means to be a good dad today is, yeah, provide and protect and all those other things, but also to engage your kids and not just leave it up to mom and not just leave it up to the feminine notions of sort of emotionality and things like that, nurturing, but also engage, you know, play and activity. So that's how I would answer your question. And I do know is in our country that father engagement has significantly increased. It's not equal. Men still don't do equal amounts of housework. Men still don't engage kids at the same level that mom does. But it's improving and it's increasing. And I think that's really important. Thank you for talking with us more about daddy-daughter bonding, Dr. Mormon. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. How ironic is that, Dr. Mormon on the <laughs> Mormon channel? Brigham Young. It's kind of confusing. BYU He's Radio. not Mormon. He's not even Mormon. <laughs> Uh, what a cool thing because interesting news, uh, dads are are being more involved. They're active, more active. Yeah, right. you know, we got a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also important. Dads play a huge role. And a lot of times it just seems like and, – and sometimes I think this is well-earned because, you know, some dads just don't step up. I also think they're just easy – there's a lot of stuff that goes against just being the dad. Like I have a lot of clients in a divorce situation that feel like immediately they have less rights simply because they're the man. Right, yeah. And and then – so anyway, it, it ends up catching up. And then I think there's a kickback and part of the kickback that, that ends up hurting us is so they don't play as big of a role. And then when they don't play as big of a role, we act as if, OK, fine, she gets the kids and he doesn't get as big of a role. But the reality is He's we're finding out – He just makes the money. That's right. But it's, it's going to hurt him. I mean in the end – Dad's not being involved. It hurts our girls. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that part of it. I thought it was interesting how many aspects of our lives, um, our self-esteem was probably the one that hit closest Huge. to home because oh, yeah. I I can think back to when I was, you know, a preteen trying to look good. And yeah. your dad is the one person that tells you, you know, um, that I don't know if that one looks Let's good on you. That one. <laughs> just, that one's too, yeah, that yeah. one's too short. Apparently that one's shrunk. I actually remember a time... <laughs> I was so embarrassed. My dad, I came out and I, I like have these favorite pairs of clothes that I just yeah. feel like I have to wear. Yeah. So I wore these pants out and they had a huge hole in the knee. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my dad was like, really? what is that? And I was like, oh, well, it's just a little hole. It was a huge hole. And he grabbed it and ripped it. He... And, more, and I was so mad. I remember I was crying <laughs> hysterically and I was like... Dad, I wanted to wear those. He ruined your favorite pants. He did. And I remember, like, that wasn't so much my self-esteem, but it was just like, oh, I shouldn't have holes in my pants. See, that's why. It doesn't look good. Well, and he probably thought that makes him look bad. Like, a good father wouldn't have his children. They wouldn't have holes in their pants. Yeah. (laughs) You were trying to make a fashion statement and show a little skin on your knee. (laughs) I think I was, like, um, 10. Okay, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe less skin. (laughs) Just a little fashion statement. It's powerful, though, isn't it? Dads, they they do make a huge difference. And 
Um, I'm also a big believer uh, in this idea that um, there is some great research that shows a dad, for example, we just do it differently. Like we'll wrestle with our kids. We'll – we roughhouse with them. A lot of times my wife gets mad because I'll get our kids all stimulated. Uh-huh. Like when she's trying to calm them all down, I'll get them stimulated. But some of the research shows that when a dad gets the children all kind of riled up, uh-huh. that helps them later in life to manage their emotions. So dads teach the kids to rile up their emotion and then how to lower their emotion. Wow, And then yeah. five minutes later, we rile them up again. So that little uh, game's that. playing so many that ways. Do, but it drives moms crazy. And that's a dilemma <laughs> because a lot of times the guys are deferring to the mom because we know – we know you know. You know a lot. <laughs> so we defer to you. And then uh, I think there's a big complex with guys where we don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And he talked about that Did too. He? he was just like, it's – it's uh, f- for all the time that you've been growing up, it's kind of been the woman's job in your head anyways yeah. of like, oh, well, she'll take care of the kids. And then you have this new baby and you're like, well, what do I do with Now you? what am I supposed to do? I mean it, it's yeah. a huge deal. And then you don't think you do it right Yeah, it's simply because we do it differently. And then a lot of times I think we end up deferring to the other – I defer to my wife thinking she knows. And a lot of times she doesn't know. She uh-huh. just wishes I would help. Yeah. Well, and then I thought that was interesting that – so the dad doesn't know what to do. And it's kind of the – the daughter's responsibility to be like, I want a relationship with yeah. my dad. I'm going to make the yeah. steps to do that. It can go both and ways. And I've seen that so many times yeah. in my life where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm as close to my dad as I want to be. So I'm going to, you know, and until this interview, I didn't know that it was through activity because yeah. I don't, I've never heard that before, but it makes so much sense. Totally. And then when you find things like, you know, a sport that both of you like, or if you both like to sing and you join choir mm-hmm. and you, you're doing things together. No, absolutely. It, it it's works. A, it's a way more bonding experience than like, how was your day? Do you like no, your job? Especially for the guy. Like, it's interesting. As a researcher, he pointed out there's kind of a masculine approach and a feminine approach. Mm-hmm. The masculine approach was activity. The feminine approach was conversation. Um, I'll listen to my wife and she'll sit there with my boys trying to have a conversation (laughs) about, like, they're dating. And she'll do everything she can to get them talking, and they won't talk. (laughs) Yeah. But if you just grab a basketball and go shoot hoops with them, Mm -hmm. and while you're shooting hoops, talk about their dating, they'll open right up. (laughs) So that's kind of the male version. But so with my daughter, she played piano. And what we would do is I would always just, like, I'd be in my office and I'd say, Sarah, come play me something. And mm-hmm. she'd come in and play me something, and we would share her music. Mm-hmm. And so we would bond by her just playing me music and me loving her music. And I would just, you know, I just lay there <laughs> and just listen and just enjoy it. But it was super bonding, very little conversation. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I, I actually, I can relate to how it's different with boys. My family is three girls and one boy. Oh, really? We're so all that's about how talking. I was raised. Yeah. I was raised. As and the then Dallin's family is three boys and one girl. So oh, me, boy. like, trying to feel accepted by his family, I went into his family and was like, so you play soccer. <laughs> that's great. I've never played yeah. soccer. Crickets. <laughs> like, I did not know what to say. And I didn't know how to, like, bond with his brothers. Because, yeah. like, for me, and, and I remember the conversation where Dallin was like, um... 
that's not really going to work. This isn't, <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to be part of the family, you're, you you probably just, just shouldn't. Just start kicking the ball. <laughs> like, don't don't yeah. try and talk to them because I was like, they don't like me. And they're, he's Your just brothers like. brothers hate me. No, they like you. They just don't know what to say to you. <laughs> you just Anyways. scare them because you use a lot of words. Yeah. So this isn't just like daddy and daughter. This mm. is good. This is huge. Yeah, and but. it's, again, like my daughter, she married into a family with a bunch of boys. But she yeah. integrated instantly because she could she can talk, she's a great communicator, but she just also plays she's very athletic. Mm-hmm. So instead of talking about soccer, yeah, she would just go play soccer. Exactly. And yeah. I, I didn't understand that because I just had sisters yeah. and we would talk and yeah. so Isn't that funny? Yeah. And again that a lot of people get bugged by that because they think that's stereotypical and it it might feel that way to you, but um again you may just be the anomaly. There are women that just love to play soccer, and yeah. there are men that just love to talk. And I envy them yeah. so much. So figure out what <laughs> the, the other is doing. Could work. <laughs> I think this is cool because a daddy daughter is a big deal, and daddy anything's a big deal. Yeah. So dads are big. Dads are a big deal, and yet we. It just seems like we're kind of just shunned. But it's neat too to hear the statistics that it's getting a little better. Mm-hmm. I also loved. Uh, Dr. Mormon's work that where he said, um, in the end, it doesn't kind of matter when you start. Just yeah. start. Yeah. So if you're a dad out there and you're thinking, oh, I blew that. My kids are 30. <laughs> well, then great. Pick it up. And the neat thing about having being an adult now is now you you don't you could go try to to communicate with your daughter her way instead yeah. of having it always have to be about the dad. Yeah. Let's go figure out if we can't start. He did talking. mention that it does like the relationship changes um when she starts dating. Oh yeah. Oh, it's totally different. Which I noticed that with my dad too. Well, it and, like, it, and it's bad. I'm not the man. <laughs> well, there's these weird moments too and when they get married that you have to step away. She'll my daughter would still run to me mm-hmm. as the dad, help me in this moment. And you just kind of have to redirect her back to her husband like, there yeah. he is. I'll help both of you. Let's talk Go about talk it. Go talk to that 20-year-old. Talk to that guy you married. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird stage. But see, all of life is just – it's crazy, crazy stages. Let's do this. Let's take a break. We're long. Wow, we're way long. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap this up. Uh, some of the uh, fun fathering, parenting uh, learnings we're having here. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about the power of a father, uh, daddy, daughter, father, son, the power of reading to our children. Dad, you got an important job to play. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we've uh, we've somehow reached. I don't know how we did it. We broke through security. We found Meg Conley just sitting out there on the I'm street. Back. What I'm, were you doing out there? You know, I've missed it. And sometimes I just I just walk we've, by and I, I listen for you know the vibrations of your voice. Could you? Is it the they vibration? They emanate out of the building yeah. and it's calming oh. and beautiful. Yes. Yes, oh. you're my guru. It's you're my guru. Did you, see, did you see what happened when like the Beatles? They like lost their guru for a while, yeah. and then they broke up. I know, it was see, rough. That's what happens. Yes, Yoko inserted herself. Oh, Yoko. See, I, I I can't leave myself vulnerable to a Yoko moment. I know. I know. So I had to come back. <laughs> you had to come back because <laughs> it's not the same without you. And we've got a lot to talk about. Yes. 
here's the deal. Because we were just talking about um, dads. We seem, dads kind of, they seem like they don't know what they're supposed to do anymore. They right. grew up watching, uh, I love, what's that, what's, what are the dad shows? What was the one with the grumpy uh, dad? Yeah. You know, Archie Bunker, Archie Bunker. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, our job was to sit in the chair and right. Edith would make our dinner. Right, And we right. had a, ste- a son-in-law named Meathead. Right, right. And what you said was, you know, at least supposed to be law, even if people ignored it at the end of the day. <laughs> that was it. Well, and I, think, and I think that even once you get past that stereotype, for a long time, um, dads were, were more respected and, you know, the head of the household. Yeah, the patriarch. And then, and then for better and for worse in some circumstances, that's kind of been um, adjusted. And now I feel like dads don't really know what to do. So, you know, a classic, a classic example is I, in high school... Um, I thought that all dads waited up for their daughters when they went out on dates and oh, when no. they were out. Like, yeah, I thought no. that I thought that they sat with a book in mm-hmm. the living room with their shoes on in case they had to leave and <laughs> yeah, get you from somewhere or something, right? Sure. And then wait for you to come in and talk to you and then Did went to bed. Did your dad do that? Of course. Did he? Yeah. He waited up with his shoes on. Yeah. Oh, that was it. Yeah, that was important. Did he have a that belt was... in his hand? <laughs> no, no, no. But he, he, he. You know, he did. He did terrify the boys in other ways, but yes, I, but I thought that was normal. But father. I had friends that would come home to dark houses and go yeah. to bed, and their parents didn't know when they'd gotten home. And and some of my friends thought that that meant um, that you know the family I grew up in was oppressive, but I thought <laughs> it just meant that I had a dad that cared. But but I think that dads don't really know like. Is, is my 15-year-old yeah. a grown-up that doesn't need my oversight anymore? Does my opinion matter? Am I just supposed to um, support them in their decisions instead of guiding them in their decisions? And and it's kind of like this huge question right now. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most important questions that I we're agree. facing as a society. Because if not, the dads will float away. Right, right. Well, because because moms find other ways um, to be there, and the mom can be up waiting too. I'm not. Oh, I'm not saying that that's that's not her role either. But um, and she could have shoes too. Right. Where she doesn't shoes? have to be bare. Sometimes high heels. But um, <laughs> but um, I think I think that. I think that moms have been more adaptable to the current state yeah. and dads have not been. And and that's a loss. There's a loss there. I, I think I think you're right on. And so that's always. Matt, but please. see, because remember, Meg has a blog, Meg in progress dot com. <laughs> and um, you've got to go read. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, Meg's had a pivotal moment yes. in her life, especially when it comes to daddies. And so, Meg, when we come back, Meg's going to Meg's going to. Teach us. I think probably the and again, I don't want to, but it's if you go read her blog, Meg in Progress. Just read. I don't know if it was your last blog. I think there was two blogs ago. Yeah, it was one or two. Yeah, you can scroll down. But it was powerful. And oh, you're nice. Meg's going to teach us power of dads. Yes. The roles that they play. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with Meg Conley. Meg in Progress. Dot com's the website. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody to the Matt Townsend Show, my favorite uh, guest of all time. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting to get that. You really are that late, like late. Finally, finally. Well, I've been here since August. 
Well, you have to earn it. <laughs> I don't just hand that out. But you make it very easy because my job's so easy when you're here. Oh, good, good. That's why you're good. my favorite. The rest of the time, I feel like I have to work. They make you work. Uh-huh. And you, this should, one, you shouldn't have to work no. for your money, man. Don't you? Th- I agree. Yeah, no, we were just talking about that. I just want someone to give it to me for free. Oh, you are. See, that's why I like you. <laughs> I also like it because this is where I take off my shoes and I just rub my feet while you talk. Creepy. Creepy. You know what? And I hate feet. Like, if you actually uh, you did that, do I would feet? not be do you able really? to come. Oh, yeah. Like, we were. Uh, Riley took me out to see Riley, hu- your husband, my husband took me out to see Hunger Games a couple uh, a couple nights ago. No, hasn't the Hunger Games been out for years? Forever. Uh-huh. You know, we go to the three dollar movie hey, theater. Smart. We're super classy totally. like that. Yeah. But there's, you know, it's the the pre ad ads and mm-hmm. like oh, there's like this ad for a salon and it's just like pedicured feet, like yeah. right, like that... ten feet tall, like feet. I I had to like excuse myself, really, because I knew that they were going to loop it again. I couldn't yeah. look at you it. You can't again. watch it. So if I took my shoe off, that really would be that would be right too now. much. It'd be too much i'd be out of here matt no more free money darn it you know um you have been a busy girl this unfortunately and nobody really knows but no fill us in you've had a week or a month yeah not from heaven no well but it has been yeah well so my dad um so about a year and a half ago he was diagnosed with aml acute leukemia and um and and, it, you know, it, it didn't look great. And because of good doctors and good faith and good hope, we were able to get um, a, a, a year and a half with him after that diagnosis, most of which was really beautiful. And um, and then he just passed away about three weeks ago. But then he so, got sick again. Yeah, but he then got sick died again. very quickly. Very quickly. He was in remission and everything looked really, really good. And then his back was hurting one day and the doctors thought it was osteoporosis from the chemotherapy and no big deal because that happens all the time. And then, and then he went in for the for the MRI and um, and it was leukemia. And mm. so they said he had. Um, because it was in his nervous system this time, they said he had a couple weeks to a couple months, and it ended up just being being a couple weeks. But oh. but it was it was hard. I'm on, I'm a baby. I'm 28, and I'm the oldest. And you are so, a baby. Yeah, you're like a young pup. I'm a young pup. But it, so people, it was, it was hard. If you have ever loved Meg, you have to go to her website, meginprogress.com, and go find Dad's eulogy. Your mom asked you to put it on? Yeah. You know, so we had this beautiful funeral. And I have to tell you, Matt, I so I've been writing for a while. Yeah. And I've written about my mom and dad a lot because um, I am obsessed with family. Like, you know, you? You, you take that... Have you ever taken like a BuzzFeed quiz where it's like, what is your spirit animal? Like, have you ever no, like there's quizzes have. like that? But okay, it sounds so interesting. I, I took one a couple months ago because that's what, like what some hard hitting stuff. A wolf because of my intense loyalty to family, and that's really? totally accurate. I was like, wow, BuzzFeed. I want to know you what saw mine is. my soul, and so and so um and so we're very family oriented, and and I write about it a lot, and um I had written about. At when he was diagnosed again, I wrote about it on the blog, and and people were so kind, and I had you know readers sending things from England and Europe and across the nation. It was amazing, and then and then when he, and then when he died, and I wrote about it, I had a lot of people email and ask if they could come to the funeral because they had really grown to really? love him and the way that he parented what and the man that, that he like? was through my blog. That's it was amazing, so yeah. And so um, so I said, of course, like what an honor, and so um. And so and so they came to the funeral and and it really was beautiful and I had lots of people pull me aside afterwards and people who had never met him and said, you know, I'm leaving here a better person. I'm leaving here. I'm going to be That's a better it. man. Yeah. I'm going to be a better dad. And That's so huge. and so I had given the eulogy because I'm the oldest and 
it seems like something the oldest does. And so and so I'd given the eulogy and and several people asked me to put it up on the blog, but it seemed too personal. But right. my mom um Once mom asks, just like My mom okay. pulled me aside the next day and said, Please share it. And so I have and and I've uh the, the repercussions, the good repercussions from sharing it. I mean, my goodness, it's um people are still being touched by his oh, life. And that's I, I hear such it a all blessing. The time. Like I'm starting to get jealous. <laughs> it's that good. It's that good. Matt, all I want is to eclipse you. I want you to write my I want you to write my eulogy. Will you write my eulogy? I'll write your eulogy. Well, it's easy cuz here's the thing. When you have a good dad, I mean, I mean, I put it was his beauty. I just I just dressed it up in words. And so and so um I didn't do anything no. that he didn't do. Yeah, you got his spirit, didn't you? Right. Well, I hope. I, I attempted to. It was a fraction. And so and so but I think that, you know, I, I had a couple people email me and say, and this was such a unique um unique perspective. They said, you know, because uh, I'd written about my grief on the blog. I'm trying to be very open yeah. about this because I feel like people, I feel like people grieve and it's like this secret thing. Yeah, we thing. hide it down. Push it down. Nobody right. talks about it. Right. And Walk it's away. okay to be private, but I don't think it should feel secret. I don't think it should feel like we have to get over it right away. So, so I'm kind of chronicling this journey on my blog and, and I had some people, um, <laughs> so some people email and say, I just, um. I just don't know how to say this, but I'm jealous of your grief because mm. I didn't have a dad that would cause me to grieve like that when oh, he leaves. I didn't have the relation. And yeah. they have good men as fathers right. who but did their best. The but but, it, um, but they, 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 they wish they had had that cause for sadness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's such a unique perspective because I felt – so burdened by my sadness. I have felt so consumed by it, but to see that it was, um, it's special. It's, it's really so a blessing special. and yeah. a sacred thing. Yeah. And, and so I have thought, man, how, <laughs> how do I make it? So my kids are overwhelmed by grief when I leave. <laughs> I want how them to I be <laughs> devastated. Be, but you know, those who, um, the measure of your sadness is the measure of the love yeah. that you have for that person. And, and so I do want my kids to feel the, the love for me, um, not, not you know, on my behalf, but because that love forced me to grow during his mm-hmm. life and it's forcing me to grow during his death. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that was I, – I am so blessed by the people who emailed me and called – I'm telling you, at least a dozen well, people had that conversation with me, and that was a blessing in my life. Maybe to that's, that perspective. dads need to be reading this more than see because that so. would teach us like, whole, oh wow, like what role could I? This play? is what I could be. This I is think a that's potential. right, and I think especially, I think the dads are. Um, I think when it comes to sons, they feel more comfortable being. Um, all in, completely involved, mm-hmm. even overbearing sometimes. <laughs> I mean, like these sports dads, like it's a little bit crazy. Yeah. But I think that with daughters, um, especially, you know, since the 1970s when things have kind of flipped around a bit, I think yeah. that dads feel like they need to be hands off. But my goodness, we need you. you. Need we need our dads. Yeah. And there are so many ways that you can um, – you can integrate yourself into your into your daughter's life in a way that uplifts her and isn't overbearing. Teach us. Te- okay. Okay. Yay. So teach us how. Okay. Well, we talked about it. We're scared, right? Because we don't want to break you, right? Right. But we. But so so. I think that we need to understand, first of all, that we like structure. Like we're talking about while you have your daughters in your house, right? Um, We need structure because you need something that you can grow effectively within so that once you leave the house, you know how to operate without the structure. And so outside of the house, if you're married and moved on, 
a dad that's too controlling. No, it's creepy. You know, it's illegal. Yeah, it's it's that, unethical. It's, but, it's immoral. But I think, but you know, my dad, um, he never yelled. He always had the important conversations with us. There was nothing that I felt like I couldn't talk really? to him about. I mean, my first kiss, which didn't happen until I was 18. At a girl. <laughs> and it was Riley. <gasps> Really? What? But then I kissed a lot of other boys after him. Oh, and then, you and then dirty. We... <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But, um, Did your dad know about this kiss? I got home from the date, and he was he and my mom were both waiting up for me. Um, sometimes my mom waited up, but my dad always did. And I walked in, and I'm like, it happened. <laughs> I finally got kissed. And he was giving me high fives. And, and then he was <laughs> oh, very stern, and he was like, but what's okay, he a good boy? There. Like, That's come right. on. But um. <laughs> but he he was my confidant, and that's what needs to happen yeah. because we we were given to our moms and dads for a reason. You're supposed to be a huge part of our lives, and you know the waiting up. We had um we had a girl move in with us when I was ten. She was my babysitter, and her parents were moving out of state, and she only had three months left of her senior year. Yeah, she, she didn't want to stick move. around. She wanted to stick around. So my mom said, "Well, come live with us. It's only three months. No big deal." And so she said, oh, "Great!" And so she moved in with us, and um. She'd go on dates, and when she came home, my dad would be waiting up to make sure that she got in safely, right? And she pulled my mom aside finally, and she said, I've never felt more loved. My Mm. dad has never waited up for me. And it's not that... He's not a good dad, but I never felt like I was precious. Like, yeah. and that she said that for the rest of her dating experience, she realized that she needed to be dating the kind of man that would wait up for her. I mean, that's that's the, that's the model. That's the role right. model of the father. Right, right. And so, um, hey, can I just so give you some advice? Yes. Uh, don't ever tell people. Why well, I, I kissed? I got my first kiss when I was eighteen, and then I kissed a bunch of people. Don't. <laughs> you don't it's have true. to say that. I know. It's, true, though, Even if, right? it's just. It just it, it, it taints you. It, I think it just means that because I'm like, I, oh my heavens, really what a time. cute little wholesome. And then, uh, was, you yeah, can still but be then old. you're like, I kissed all over the place. You can still be wholesome and kiss a lot. Oh yeah, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm looking at now that your dad's gone. I want to look your, out. For your you. producers like that. I think yeah, I got like an that. amen. No, amen. Hey, d- no, no, ignore them. Ignore them. <laughs> they, they don't. They're not fathers. <laughs> they're not. But um, but you know, and and for the and for the rest of my dad. My mom and dad have always been my first call about everything. In fact, um, and then you know, once I got married, Riley became the first call. But they were a close second, and they were the sometimes second call. my dad was still first. But I pr- didn't tell Riley yeah. I had called oh, him first. Great. I'm like, well, now I gotta hang up because I gotta call my dad. He's like, <laughs> I know you already called him. I know you already filled him in. But they, what a great deal. they, um, that that is this really sacred relationship. And you know, if if you're religious, um. The way that my dad loved, the way that he gently chastised, the way that he um, proved to be this effective, beautiful guide helped me understand my Heavenly Father's love. And for me as a spiritual person, I I needed a concrete understanding of that. And my dad was able to provide that's that. That's huge. It, it's enormous. I mean, that's why, that's why men have a role model. Right. You think of your Heavenly Father, your God. He's the role model. Right. So if... How would God protect his daughters on earth when they go out on a date? Well, and it's not, you know, it's again, it's not this overbearing thing. It's teaching us really what he did was he taught me the importance of protecting myself. And once and once he had kind of, you know, fulfilled that, um, you know, that I had been his apprentice in that um, I was able to effectively understand my own worth, effectively protect myself. And he became this great companion instead of um, instead of, you know, just a parent. And so that that was huge. And I think if we look at it that way, because I think that we get so worried about yeah. um, restriction. But 
but there's there's a lot of um what do you there's think, a lot to be found within that. What do you think he I mean, so it's one thing, but then you reach this point where you're peers almost. Right. So he's still your father, but he has to let you go, but he's trained you up well. What do you think dad thought of Meg? Oh, he thought he's awesome. Did he? <laughs> the bomb. The bomb. No, it's so much fun. Totally. I mean, he had to have been so proud. You, oh well, I don't I know, mean, but you, you know, your relationship with your parents can be so much oh, yeah. fun. They oh, yeah. they understand you. There's that unconditional love. Um, you have inside jokes. I mean, he we <laughs> we laughed. I mean, it was so fun. And I think that I think for you know he he wrote us letters Did and. He? And he said that he had just found so much. One of the last ones he sent us, he talked about the joy that he found in, in watching us build our families and that he was able to see eternity in the faces of our children because he was able to see how, how our lives were, were going on and reflecting his own. And um, and I think, I think if we um, allow ourselves as parents, because, you know, I can see how that would be a struggle. I have two kids right now and, and, and stepping back and reconfiguring so that you are beside them instead of always in front of them. I think that that could be dif- difficult, but my dad really did it effortlessly to my eyes. At least oh, yeah. I don't know what went on behind oh, he the was scenes, freaking out. but he, but he, he really, um, just constant never ending support. And, oh, yeah. and in ways that, that are, are small calling and taking me out to lunch when, you know, he knew life was imploding. Right. Well, and, you know, I write about this in his eulogy, but when I had my first baby, um, it was a it was a super difficult pregnancy, a super different, difficult labor. And then I had the worst postpartum depression and um, and I'd never suffered from depression before. And so I had no idea what I was experiencing. I didn't know if it would go away. And and I remember Margaret, my first baby was three weeks Margaret. old. Yeah. Oh, well, Margaret Zuzu. Yeah. She goes by both. Okay. Sorry. As I just, she, you had another one? She was, um, well, the night, so this is my dad. So the night of, I come home to his house because I had I had to be taken care of, it was a really bad labor. So I had to be taken care of 24-7 for yeah. about two weeks. And so we moved into my parents' house for two weeks so I could get all that care. And um, and he came home the first night that I was there um, with a bag full of Mimi's club sandwiches because I love those. And then <laughs> everything on the Walgreens shelf. He had gone to pick up some stuff I absolutely needed. But then, you know, he he felt like he he wanted to do so much, but there was really nothing he could do. And so he came in with bags full of like, you know, Skittles and nail polish. <laughs> I mean, things that make no anything. sense. They but could... he just, here, Megan, let me give to you. Let me help you. You know, he oh, felt so cute. helpless. And so then... About three weeks later, he was in my house, and and I couldn't get off the couch. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't see outside of myself. And and he was rocking back and forth with uh, my little girl in his arms, and his eyes were closed. And he always closes his eyes when he's speaking truth, right? And hmm. he said, he said, he said, Megan, you have a best friend right here. Like don't worry, she will be your best friend. Like you'll be able to see it. And and him being able to see things that I couldn't see, that as a parent never that role never ends yeah. that is that is always a gift that you can give your children because at the time I could not understand what he was saying and it wasn't until the months and months afterwards when I had pulled myself out of this you know murk of despair yeah. that I that I could see what he was saying but because we had established that relationship of trust from the time that I was a baby because I knew what it meant when he spoke with his eyes closed because I understood that he was still could still be my guide even as I had set out on my own I trusted him and that 
that made everything a little bit easier. Yeah. And you can give that gift to your kids until the day that right. you leave this earth. And not be perfect. Oh, he wasn't perfect. Please. The man never said sorry in his life. Really? <laughs> oh, sure. Now you're going to make fun of him. <laughs> Poor guy. Meg, we're taking a break. I okay. want to come back. A little editing note for everybody on the show. We're going to come back to Meg Conley because we're going to, I mean, Meg's here. Yes. Talking about the most important subject of her life right now. <laughs> and so we're here to learn. So we're going to take a break. We're coming back. Meg Conley's joining us. Uh, daughter of Dewey. Daughter of Dewey. Daughter of Dewey Conley. Yes. That's so Yeah, cool. we can talk about why I cut my head. I know. No, that's all right. We won't go there. We know who you love more. Uh, we're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Meg Conley. Meg in progress right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with the juvenile, Meg Conley. <laughs> we were just going over our ages. I'm so young. Juvenile. I'm so much younger than you. Youth. You're very, you're very young. You're, you're nubile. Listen, I just turned 29 last week, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Well, yeah, you're almost I'm an adult. I'm getting to the wise 30s. <laughs> hey, um, your dad. So you're talking to us about your dad. Yeah. You lost your father to... Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Leukemia. A- leukemia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Acute leukemia. Yeah. Again, everybody go to meganprogress.com and you'll see the ama- – go find her dad's eulogy. And that's not the only – I mean, there's a t- thousand great articles on there. Some, you know, are very, you know, embarrassing. <laughs> but others are incredible. They're all incredible. But here's the deal. You've got five minutes. Five minutes. To teach the world about a powerful father. Okay. So I think – Okay, so here are the two. The two other. There are so many lessons. Yeah. But here are two that were. By the way, and, and, to does, me. and the dress. And he he never had anything to do with how you dress. No, no, no. If it was up to my dad, I'd be wearing you know Wrangler's and cowgirl boots yeah, all the yeah, time because that's checking. how he dressed. So because well, you got flowers and stripes boots. and sure. I feel like I wear this outfit every time I come. No, but it actually, looks great. It's I feel my like favorite. I wear it a lot. Um, okay, so the other thing I think we talk all the time about how can dads teach their daughters to to have self worth and to understand how a man should treat them. Okay, well the way that you really teach is by example, and so. How are you married to your wife? And my goodness, my dad, I mean, my mom put the light in his eyes. And that, and we knew that. That was never in doubt. It was always complete respect, complete mm-hmm. infatuation, lots of disgusting making out. And, um, <laughs> And so Which is I, between two old people in your eyes. Right, right. But 52 well, when I was, year olds. Well, and when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, they're so sick. But, you know, they were 28. I yeah. mean, like I'm walking in yeah. on my 28-year-old parents <laughs> making out. But I – um, and so I knew how a man was supposed to treat a woman. I knew that it was – you know, one of my dad's um, – one of the things that my dad always said was um, – and he said this to every son-in-law before he – you know – before we got married is um, it is our privilege to take care of women, not because um, the women in our lives, not because we need it, not because they need it, but because we do. Oh, that's huge. And yeah, that's, it makes us something different. Huge, mm-hmm. right? And and that every single day that was personified. Now, my parents absolutely fought. My parents absolutely had misunderstandings. Your parents were human. Yes. And my dad absolutely had flaws. But at the end of the day, he lived for my mom. And so I understood that I should go find a man that would live for me so that he would be worthy of me living for him. And that, 
that that's just it, right? Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, everything else has fallen into place as far as that goes for me because of the way that my dad loved my yeah. mom, and and that um and that in some ways you know has been uh one of the great heartbreaks and great blessings of this. You know, my at the viewing the night before, um, there was a moment where my my mom was sitting by, you know, my dad was in, we were calling it a pine box. Casket's too ugly of a <laughs> yeah. word, right? So he was, it was a pine box. Though, so yeah. we got pine, he's a cowboy. So she, he was in, he was in the pine box and she was sitting next to him. And for a moment, no one else was around them. And uh, my dear friend, uh, Justin Hackworth, he's a photographer. And he said, look at that. That is a picture and it's breaking my heart. Like that is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. And I thought it is, but it's also the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like they are they are bound they you know we believe in eternal families we believe in eternal marriage and she is just standing sentinel over him until she can join him i mean that was really beautiful and it was also a perfect depiction of what my parents marriage has always been mm. and and my dad also taught me how to grieve yeah. so he lost both of his parents before he was 30 and um and and I watched him you know i was the oldest so i was cognizant of what was happening and I watched him lose the lights of his life when he had, you know, too few, uh, too few certainties and too many children, you know, yeah. I mean, and um, and he grieved beautifully. I mean, it, it took a while. Um, it was very hard for him, but especially in the later years of his life and my growing up, um, he talked about his parents. He he shared them with us. He um, and, you know, my dad was such a spiritual man. And now that I've lost him. I feel like his spirituality in so many ways was a byproduct of his search for his parents. And that was a huge blessing for us that instead of um, letting his grief drown him or make him cynical, he sought the Lord and um, and he sought what we considered to be the truth, you know, what as LDS people, we um, find to be the truths of this existence. And then he was able to give them to mm. us to make something that devastating, so constructive and and lift up my life in that way. And that has taught me what I need to do in this circumstance also. And again, leading by example, I I'm forever uh, refined because oh. of the man he was. You don't know this, but that for about two minutes, the last two minutes you were talking, your yeah. eyes were closed. Were they? I never know. <laughs> Which uh, you were channeling a little Dewey there. There it is, Dewey's daughter. Dewey's daughter, because you're, so that means you were speaking truth. Okay, well, I hope. I hope. No, but so. you, I, we could feel it. Good. I'm glad. Well, it's nice to talk about. I hope that I hope that by talking about it, people can realize they can talk about their own experiences. No, totally. And I think here's the key. So we love Meg. We know that. Yay. <laughs> and vicariously, we love your father. In fact, I would have loved to have met your father. You guys would have liked each other. I know he listened to the show once and got mad or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dewey, for affecting you that way. Um, but what I think is really powerful is. Um, so that spirit, everything you were just talking about, the spirit and the channeling of all these righteous ideas and good thoughts, they're they're still living on. I, I right. realized that while your eyes were closed. Yes, I, I hope. I hope. No, they are. No, they are. There's not even a hope of that. Thank you. Thank you, just, Matt. I appreciate that. But so we love Dewey and we, we'll, we'll dedicate the whole show to Dewey. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. And to that. little <laughs> Megan, who wouldn't even change her last name because she was so in love with Conley. Because I love my dad. It's all right. It's all right. No, no need to... And again, and best wishes to your mother. I appreciate What's her name? that. Uh, Kim. Kim. Kim Conley. And she's she's going to do this real fine. She'll, she'll, be, fine. she'll be fine. I mean, yeah. the deal is 
It's just what you have to do. She's a warrior woman. It's the next yep. step. And she's young. We could have a whole show on her, too. But let, no, we will. So. <laughs> we totally will. Meg, we love you. Dewey, God Thanks, bless man. you. And uh, seriously, if we could all just live to be like Dewey and the hero, th- that's the goal of this. Dads, let's become heroes. And again, there's someday we would all have a daughter. I mean, that's our wish, that we could all have a daughter like Meg that would stand up. Oh, and, thank you, Matt. That's you're the best. Thanks for being thank, on the show, too. Thank you always. So much. And thank filling you. in for me. Yes. And let's just not get too big. You. <laughs> don't you get too big. Meg Conley's the best. Thanks for listening, folks. There you have it. Dads, you matter. And uh, you heard it right there from a, a daughter that just lost her daddy. You matter. So step it up, boys. Time to time to take our roles and our responsibilities seriously. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. More tools, more ideas to help you with the good life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.